I am so excited because this is the first of two parts where we'll be talking about my favorite episodes of 2023. And it was an absolute delight to pick out those favorite bits. But before we dive in, I also want to let you know about some other exciting news, which is that my 2024 offerings are up on my website. So if you go to nadinekennyjohnstone.com, you will see not only the classes that I have up, a mastermind that I'll be leading, also my writer workout membership is all up there. So if 2024 is the year that you want to achieve your writing dreams and or tap more deeply into your wellness practices with journaling and yoga nidra, my website is the place to find out about all of those offerings. So nadinekennyjohnstone.com and you'll see everything under the work with me tab. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. So let's dive in. This is Heart of the Story, and I'm Nadine Kenny Johnstone. I believe that stories save us, and that's why I've spent my life immersed in books. First as a writing professor, and now as an award-winning author who leads women's writing and wellness workshops and retreats. I find that no matter how zen we strive to be, life rarely goes as planned. But stories are our steadfast companions. And since the last few years have brought huge transitions to everyone, including me, I wanted to talk to other women who have lived real lives and have been audacious enough to share all the messy, joyous, complicated bits. I thought I could learn a thing or two from them about writing and healing and about, well, being human. And it's been one of the greatest thrills of my life. So join me for powerful conversations with today's top women writers and wellness experts who go beyond the surface level and into that deep, raw, honest place, the heart of the story. Hi, friends. It was really delightful to go back and look at all of the fabulous episodes that we've had, the amazing guests that we have talked to, and the solo episodes that really got me thinking and reflecting on life. And when I had to choose the best of, it was really, really hard. <laughs> it was really hard because I feel like I got something from every episode, and I hope that you did too. But what I did is I split it up, and today we will be covering the wellness episodes, best of 2023 wellness episodes. And then in the second part, we'll be covering the best of 2023 in terms of writing related episodes. And even if you're not a writer, you will still benefit from it. So with me today is my beloved producer, Michelle Rado. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Nadine. I am so excited to be with you today, not just as your silent partner, but <laughs> dusting off my microphone a little bit. And it's really an honor to talk with you today. And I love looking back at things. I think that that's a really important thing to take the time to reflect on what the important things we did over the past year were. And you definitely have had so many standout moments, episodes, conversations, lots of stuff this past year. I know 
you have gone into wellness as well as writing. So before we get started, I wonder if you want to talk a little bit about some of your accomplishments and best moments in that wellness endeavor this past year. Uh, thank you. I think the biggest thing that I'm really, really, really proud of is that my guided journal, Come Home to Your Heart, came out in May. Yes. yes. And this feels huge for a few reasons. One, as a writer, it's always a big deal when the book comes out that you've been working on for years. But also, I think in terms of this blend of writing and wellness that is me, I think the book captures that, I guess is the word. Yeah, the book captures that blend that I have of my love of essays and creative nonfiction, as well as my love of wellness, reflecting, journaling. And so the book is a combination of personal essays as well as journal prompts for the reader. And I truly intended it to feel like this two-part experience where I share a bit of my life and these little life moments that restored my spirit or taught me a lesson. And then for the reader, there's the invitation. Now it's your turn to explore your story. And each chapter is set up as an essay and then an opportunity for the reader to do some writing and reflecting. So each chapter is like a mini retreat. So to go from being a memoir writer with my last book to do this guided journal felt like a representation of what's been happening for me personally, which is this blend of my love of writing and wellness. So that was my my biggest thing. And it was a joy to go around and do events and, and chat on podcasts and things about it and meet readers. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in our best of 2023 writing episode. But that was a big one. Before you go on, I just have to chime in. First of all, Huge, huge, huge congratulations because it takes a lot of time and I want planning isn't exactly the right word, but sitting with yourself and your offerings and who you are and what you do in order to come up with such a beautiful representation of all these parts of you. And that's exactly what this book has done. It's available. It's it's beautiful. It's essays. It's you sharing yourself. It's you sharing the lessons that you love to share. So it encompasses that teaching part. It encompasses the writing part. And it encompasses the bestowing of the wisdom part, even to kind of describe it in a little different way than, you know, a category of wellness, which it absolutely is. So I want to say also congratulations to you because it is a beautiful book. And I really am so glad to have seen you having so many conversations and events this past year sharing that. So yay. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel really grateful to you because 
if this podcast hadn't come to fruition almost three years ago, my goodness. Um, Hard to believe. I know. It'll be three years in February 2024. If the podcast hadn't come to fruition, I don't know that the journal would have existed in its form because for a few years, probably three years, I was writing these essays thinking it was just going to be an essay collection. And then once I discovered your producer talents and expertise and realized that, oh, I could do this podcast because I have no experience in production. So you made this podcast possible. And then when I started reading my essays out loud for the podcast, I would always instinctively at the end do this reflection and meditation. And I didn't know what it was, but the journal became the written form of that. So I really don't know without the podcast if I would have realized that the book was meant to be both essay sharing and reflection for the reader. And that's like the best thing about a creative process is it leads you to the next thing. Yes. So I think that was the biggest accomplishment and milestone. The other thing I'm really, really proud of is that I led a lot of retreats last year and they are so heart filling. And some of them are writing focused, but then others are wellness and there's writing, but journaling. And so you don't have to be a writer to attend. And I led one in Florida last February, a wellness retreat that was ocean front and it was gorgeous. It was just beach time and pool time and nourishing meals and meditation and yoga and yoga nidra and sisterly bonding and late night talks and painting classes. I mean, it was just this collaboration of all these different veins of wellness. And it was a delight to see there were 12 women who we spent four days together and they got to just play on the beach and fall back in love with themselves. So that was a wellness retreat highlight for sure. And then I'm really happy because I've been making this transition into incorporating wellness into what I do. And I wanted my website to reflect that. And I know it seems kind of silly, like oh, a website, but it's kind of like an online representation of who you are. And my old website was beautifully done and I was really proud of it, but it didn't yet reflect that I've moved, that I've done a lot more in terms of wellness with journaling and yoga nidra. And so I got a new website this year and I feel really, really grateful that it reflects I think my heart and my hope for other people to have this blend of calm and creativity at the same time. So the new website was a big deal. And then I think personally, I've loved that my Yoga Nidra certification has stemmed out into personal benefits. Every night, that's how I help my son get to sleep, oh. which is no easy feat because he's got lots of energy and he would stay up until the wee hours and it's very hard to get him calmed. And so each night I do yoga nidra with him and it takes maybe four minutes and he's, he's sound asleep. Wow. <laughs> maybe you need to come uh, so, up here and do that with me when you're done. 
<laughs> I know. I know. I know. And it's been a year, this past year has been a year of connection. I have made a point to see a lot of people and deeply connect with a lot of people, friends and family members and lots of reunions because we had some big birthdays this year. I turned 40, Jamie turned 50, my son turned 10. And it was just like lots of reunions and connections. So very nice. Next, do we want to move on to some of your favorites that we're going to play some clips for? I would love that. So I wanted to look at episodes that I've done with women in the wellness realm and then solo episodes as well. So we're going to dive in and I'll tell you which episodes I chose and why I felt they were the best of. And it doesn't mean that the ones who didn't make this best of are not equally amazing. I know. These are just the ones that when I when I looked back, I couldn't stop thinking about the wisdom that they shared. So I will start with my most favorite conversation of the year. Episode 131, May Yoshikawa's interview was all about navigating what she calls life tsunamis. First of all, I'd never heard the term before, but as soon as I did, it was so apt. It was perfectly fitting. And I thought, gosh, don't we all need to get some wisdom around navigating life tsunamis that just push us down and we don't know how we're going to get through. And when I spoke with her, she, via Zoom even, I can't even imagine what she is like in person, but she is this wise, wise teacher. So it's no surprise to me that she is one of Tokyo's most beloved yoga instructors. She teaches meditation. She has been the face of Adidas yoga for years. And, and she is just this incredible soul, but she's been through it. She has been through her own life tsunamis, which you'll hear about on the show. And the beautiful part was the way that she looks at them differently from most people I know. So most people go through the difficult time, but she really talks about how to change your perspective and how to look at these events differently and the sorts of questions that we can ask ourselves. It was so powerful that after we stopped recording, I was bawling my eyes out. First of all, you'll have to listen to see why I was bawling my eyes out, but I was bawling my eyes out, not only from the stories that she told, but just the love pouring out of her. And when we stopped record, I spoke to her about some of my own grief that I've been going through. And she gave me such words of reassurance that I've been different ever since. So that's the power that May has. And here she is talking about questions that we can ask ourselves when we're going through difficult times. We're all born and raised in love to from somewhere to some degree, not necessarily like from your mom and dad or your community even, but there's always some form of love that's providing this juice for you to remain and evolve as the human being that you are. And it's so easy in those dark periods of our lives to go into that victimhood and I'm not loved or 
um, I mean, I've had like huge distrust issues with life. And I love how you said, well, how do you get through that period? Because that's exactly the question. Like, well, I like to ask myself, how do I allow the grief to change me? Mm. How do I allow this experience to change me? I think it is one of the best things anyone can do to answer a question with another question. Mm-hmm. I've thought about that experience ever since when I'm going through a difficult time, her words come into my brain. How do I allow this experience to change me? And and what she talks about later in the episode is an idea of expansion and tapping into a larger force and I have been so changed ever since that episode that I can't wait for listeners to just digest the entire thing or re-listen if you listened to it once before and you know how beautiful it was. I've gone back to that one several times myself. Next, we're going to talk about one of our favorite solo episodes, and we talk about how, well, I will say, Nadine, sometimes between the two of us, We give episodes a little nickname. So this one we have called The Rubik's Cube, episode 132. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, this episode that you're referring to, Michelle, is titled How to Stop Second Guessing, and it's episode 132. But yes, I also think of it as The Rubik's Cube episode. And it came to be because... I was thinking recently about how almost as soon as I try to fix or improve one part of my life, simultaneously another part of my life gets disheveled (laughs) and messy. And it made me think about when we're trying to get a solid color on one side of the Rubik's Cube and how it kind of makes things look very messy in the interim. And if we're always solving for a different side, it's like we're we're solving and messing up, solving, messing up, solving, messing up. And what the heck? Like, are we just better off not touching our lives? (laughs) Like, meaning like, don't just let everything be as it is. And I really was kind of rattling around in my brain, this idea. And I always take my ideas for walks and I took this idea for a walk. And as I did, I had a revelation about this metaphor of the life's Rubik's Cube. And I'll, I'll let you listeners listen to it so you'll see what that revelation is. But I think This to me was one of the most impactful solo episodes because I am by nature the ultimate second guesser. I could win awards for second guessing and overthinking. I mean, if I could save the world through second guessing and overthinking, I I would be superwoman. And I have to say, Nadine, I think I would be very strong competition for you in that scope because I am also a champion second guesser. So, yeah. Yeah. So this episode is really, truly about how to help with that second guessing. I read a note from my wiser self most mornings in my journal. And she said one time, you can have most of what you want, but just not all at once. (laughs) You can have most of what you want, but just not all at once. 
That is Nadine's episode 132, How to Stop Second Guessing. Yeah, it was hard looking at the solo episodes to choose a favorite because I think of those episodes as a very intimate experience between me and you, dear listener, because it allows me to talk about what's on my mind at the moment, almost in real time as friends. And I really do try to make those episodes a transparent, this is what I'm thinking of right now, this is what I'm dealing with right now, in the hopes that you will feel less alone because I feel like if I'm thinking about it, somebody else is too. And in that vein, um, there are three kind of runner-ups that if you're wanting some good solo episodes, um, the these also could be considered. 127 is the power of simplicity during overwhelming times. And I talk about just life chaos and what helps ground me. And when is life not chaotic? I don't know anyone whose life is just smooth sailing. So in that one, I I do talk about what I turn to during those chaotic, frantic moments. And episode 118, Anti-Striving, this one was an interesting one for me as an entrepreneur and as someone who is trying to be deeply in tune with my own wellness and rest and not burning out. It's a balance. It's a hard juggle to do, to be a motivated individual, someone who loves ideas and loves their business and at the same time has to prioritize my own well-being. And so I'm always trying to think about how do I go forth for what I want and try to achieve the goals that I'm excited about and not get so caught up in striving that I completely burn myself out. And so anti-striving is all about that juggle. And might I add, that episode was featured on And So She Left, which Nadine was also a featured guest on this past year with the also wonderful host, Catherine Vassilopoulos. So that was another little boon that that message really connected. And that is a whole podcast featuring women who have started their own businesses. So that was great to have shared more widely. Yeah, especially on that platform, which, as you said, is all about featuring these female entrepreneurs and business owners who are, of course, striving as part of the progression and how do we do that juggle. And then the the other one that was just fun to record was episode 129 about turning 40 and certainly not having everything figured out um, the way that when I was say 20, I thought that by 40, I would definitely have my act together. That was just fun. I interviewed myself. I love the Substack called Old Stir, and they have these fun questions for the people they interview about getting older. And I used that as a self-interview about what it's like to be 40. And I will also say, I love that little, I interviewed myself. That was That was just imbued with the joy of play. It's like, hey, I'd like to answer those questions. I'll ask them myself, which is a little bit of a um, growth of like, I'm 40 and I'll do whatever I darn well want. Yes. Yes. So I will also give a little sneak preview to you, Nadine. 
if 50. I'm not sure you have it figured out either. No. Although you get no, more I- comfortable with yourself, I will say. And I've always felt that about you, honestly. Like you, you're very tuned into yourself person. So you're, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it was so funny because a listener who is in her mid-70s wrote in after that episode and said how hard she was laughing about the not having it all figured out because she's in her mid-70s and she does not have it all figured out. And I certainly never thought that I would have like all the mysteries of life solved. I just always in my head thought of certain ages as having certain feelings and for whatever reason 40 in my mind was when I thought there was like a solid ground of not that much change, like having more certainty. And then I realized how ridiculous that is because we never have certainty ever. And I realized how much I value change. So why would I want to be at this sort of stagnant place? So a lot of interesting reflections in in that episode. Yes. That's a very good one. Yeah. Okay. Next. Oh, yes. The first rule of magic. I loved this episode too. Do you want to introduce that one or should we just play it? I'll I'll do a quick introduction. It's an episode about understanding ourselves and it's episode 104 with Susan Piver, who is a beloved meditation Buddhist instructor and gosh, is she so wise and so humble. When she was on the show, she talked about why retreats are so powerful and here is what she had to say about the first rule of magic. Julia Cameron, who wrote the artist, she said this once in a conversation with Natalie Goldberg that Mm -hmm. happened to have been recorded and I had the cassette because like 25 years ago. Ah, Yes. She said, I'll never forget this. The first rule of magic is containment. And that is a phrase to live by. You have to have a container for magic. Otherwise, it's just energy streams that just go hither and yon. And on a retreat, the container is the schedule. Uh-huh. This, we do that, we take a break, we come back. It creates containment, which is essential in the writing process. So most people, probably us included, think, well, you just get up and you make yourself do it or you have a routine and you don't get up to you've written a thousand words or 50,000 words or whatever it is. And that is impossible for me. And it's not because I'm a prima donna. I mean, I can be, but not about this. (laughs) It's, I don't know why. Some people thrive on that because the container, which is so important, cannot be self-generated. That's why writing groups are so good and writing retreats are so powerful and having a writing coach, you know, there's a container there. There's a relationship. They are expecting something from you. If you have a, a deadline, that's a container. Mm. Just everything in the ether is not a container. So for me, deadlines absolutely provide containers. And then I write, and I really like to write in the mornings. But I also find that sometimes in the evening, I'm like, oh, I want to just go back and noodle a little bit. But what I usually do is I 
just try. Mm. Just try. Just try. I love that one. I love that episode so much because I am someone who loves structure. And I laugh because I was talking to a therapist years ago and I was saying how I can be spontaneous if it's planned. <laughs> I remember that. I can be sp- I can be spontaneous on Saturdays between 10 and 2. You know, it's like if I have planned that that block of time is my spontaneous time, then I can be spontaneous during that. So when I was talking to Susan, what a beautiful soul. She helped me understand that a lot of my freedom and inspiration and creativity comes from containment, from structure. And it was mind-blowing because I'd never thought of it that way before. I thought those two things were in opposition, and they are not. Yeah, I agree. And it's sort of like any creative endeavor. You know, if you say, paint a painting, anything goes. Uh, You can't do anything. Like if you say, (laughs) paint something only using blue, okay, well, now you've got a little puzzle to figure out. So- Yeah, I love the containment analogy. Agreed. Next on our list of clips, we have a conversation, oh yeah, with Hillary Alberta Scherer, who was talking all about going through infertility. Though this is something that I personally had no experience with, it was a very universally accessible conversation. But I do know it had personal relevance for you. And this is something where you have some very significant experience and you bring a lot of wisdom to the conversation as well. So this was a really powerful conversation. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. This episode number 130 with Hilary Alberta Shearer was meaningful to me because of my own personal experience with infertility. And Hilary is a researcher who helps people get the knowledge they need so that they can go into procedures and meetings and appointments feeling like they know what questions to ask and they know how to advocate for themselves. So ultimately, this was an episode about advocating for ourselves. And because I had had not only years of infertility, then gone through IVF treatments and procedures, but had a very traumatic experience as a result of one of the procedures that it's been my mission moving forward to advocate for myself at all times, but to encourage anyone else to advocate for themselves, especially in a medical field or experience where it can feel very vulnerable when you're the patient. So this clip is from Hillary, and it's really about what to say to someone when they're going through infertility. And that was the other part of the episode that I appreciated was, okay, if I'm not going through it myself, how do I support those who are? I think sometimes when people hear about this, they get uncomfortable. They don't know what to say. So they either avoid it completely. And honestly, the biggest thing that I've heard from people is to just say, I'm here. 
I hold hope for you. A lot of times, you know, people are like, people say, oh, you're just so strong. And they're like, I don't want to be strong. Mm-hmm. I don't feel strong at all. And, and, and so I think that's the other thing I sometimes tell, you know, individuals, like, rather than like, oh, you're so strong, you can do this. It's like, you know what, if you need to fall apart and just let it all go, I'm here and I am here for that. And, you know, there are going to be days where if you don't want to have hope, I'm going to hold that hope for you, or I'm going to have that strength for you. If you can't stand up today, that's okay. And just to know that you've got someone in your corner to be able to like say that to you, it goes much further than the, oh, just relax or, oh, you know, your time is coming. Like none of those things are helpful, but just being an open heart and an open hand, I think. Those are words that are so relevant, not only for infertility, but any challenge that anyone is going through in life to see someone else where they are at and hold space for what they're going through in that moment. I I just thought that that was really wonderful, a wonderful observation and a wonderful way to bring support to those around us who might be going through any kind of difficult thing. Yeah. It's listening hugging, not trying to bright side, not trying to offer unsolicited advice, but just being there to hold space. How does that feel for you in terms of the advice? Like, have you been able to be on the receiving end of that as well as the giving end of that going through this, the stuff you've gone through? Yeah. I mean, the title of my first book came uh, from the best thing that anyone said to me. And when we were going through infertility and had had just uh, a lot of awful things happen, I got a message from my husband's cousin, who is also a doula, who, spoiler alert, ended up delivering, helping deliver our son uh, when he was born. But when we were going through infertility and I felt so low and so hopeless, she emailed out of the blue. And she said, you will have your baby of this much, I'm sure. And she wasn't saying how. She didn't promise that it would happen in any certain way. But I could tell that she was holding hope for us and just having her assurance during a time when I didn't have any was everything. And it pushed me through and got us through. And so that's why the title of my memoir is called Of This Much, I'm Sure. (laughs) Very nice. Moving on, we have episode 123 with Kimberly Davis. Yeah, so Kimberly Davis, also known as the fiscal feminist, is all about women having financial wellness. And I appreciated this because this was something we had never talked about on the show was money. And yet, (laughs) how crucial it is in all of our lives. And I heard Kimberly speak at a conference and I just thought, you know what? She's talking frankly about finances in a way that a lot of us don't, even in our friendship circles, even with people we feel very close to, we often don't talk about money. And I appreciated her honesty and as well as her expertise in the area of women's finances. And after I heard her speak at the conference, I just kept thinking about some of her little nuggets of wisdom. 
and about how important it is to have advocacy, even if you're in a partnership, and really how knowing about money and your money and having hard conversations about money in the end gives you wellness and health in many different areas. So it just made me realize that it's all intertwined, you know, that we can't feel fully in tune and in touch if we're completely ignoring our bank accounts. So here's what Kimberly had to say about why financial health is crucial to your well-being. Money will set you free if you don't let it control you and you control it. It's just a means to an end. You would not not go get a mammogram if you felt a lump. You would not do that. If you know that you don't know what's going on, if you wait too long, the diagnosis could be critical mm. to your life. So I, I, I mean, I can't, I can't be more urgent about this. Like, just start simply with figuring out what the family budget is or what your budget is. That is the voice of someone who has been through it. And you can just hear it in her voice. Mm-hmm. In the episode, she not only has financial expertise professionally, but she has gone through her own lows when she went through a divorce where money was a very sore subject and was uh, not there, <laughs> you know, where she was really struggling financially. So, to, I think it's always helpful to hear about words of wisdom from someone who's been in the low place and has gotten themselves out of it. So she is very passionate about women and their money. (laughs) Next, we will go to another topic that's not always expressly talked about, which is our friendships. You know, I think a lot of time is spent on relationship talk about things, especially in a wellness category. But In episode number 134, you spoke with Laura Tremaine about friendships. Mm -hmm. Laura Tremaine wrote a book called The Life Council about the 10 friends every woman should have, not necessarily all at once. You don't need 10 friends, but over the course of a life. And I loved talking to her about this because she talks very candidly about friendship breakups and what it's like to be the cause of a breakup, what it's like to be on the receiving end of a breakup, how to maybe have the hard conversations to avoid the breakup. But I was so happy to finally have someone say it out loud that friendship breakups can be absolutely devastating. And as someone who personally has gone through friendship shifts in the last few years as a result of the pandemic, as a result of moving to a different state, I so appreciated her candor about how friendships do shift and morph and how hard that can be on us. So here she is talking about those friendship breakups. I've talked to so many women about this over the years. And I've gone through my own. I went through the loss of a, a best friend, like a, a breakup with, with one of my best friends. It was enormously painful. And I didn't talk about it for years. When I did start talking about it, I had so many women tell me that they had gone through friendship breakups that were as painful or more painful than their divorces. Mm-hmm. 
than any romantic relationship they'd ever ended. They still think about their ex-best friend every day. Yeah. They aren't sure what went wrong. They wish they could repair it. It has changed their memories of the past. You know, it makes everything painful. And so when I was going to write about a book about friendship, I was like, we have to talk about this because culture does not give any credence to a friendship breakup. When you go through a romantic breakup, everyone is like, oh, stay in bed, eat all the ice cream, go find yourself in the desert. I don't know. Like we have all these yes. ways. Yes. That we're like, please mend your broken heart from this romantic breakup. When we have a friendship breakup, the general consensus is just like, well, I mean, just find another friend. Like there's a lot of people out there. There might be a lot of people out there, but they might not be the person who was there for me, who I connected with every day. So yeah, that was a really good conversation. I appreciated her not only writing about it, but then talking about it. And I got several notes from listeners saying thank you for Mm. talking about it because it's not something that we talk about. It's very taboo. And to hear Laura say that for some women, it's even more devastating than their divorces. It's like, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is big stuff. Next, we will listen to a few. uh, You had a a two-person guest. That makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) next you had a pair of podcast hosts that you spoke with the millennial minimalists which they clearly have mastered saying much better than i have (laughs) but they are two wonderful women who have talked about decluttering This is episode number 135. And Nadine, tell me about the millennial minimalists. Yeah, I found out about them because of my guest appearance on And So She Left because they were on there as well. And I realized that I was practicing minimalism, but didn't know that that's what it was called, that it had a name. So in Our lives personally, we have pared down quite a bit over the last several years of our things because of moving and going on the road for three months in our Airstream. And so I am so curious about not only decluttering objects, but also the mental and emotional decluttering. So I was very interested to talk to them, Kelly and Lauren. They came on the show and It was one of those episodes where I wanted every listener to have a notebook nearby because it's like, okay, well, here's how we do some physical decluttering and here's what we can do for mental decluttering, even digital decluttering. I thought, oh yeah, that's something that I desperately need to do. At any given time, I have 25 tabs open on my computer. Um, And so... I felt like it was a very tactile and practical way of approaching things, but then also that the benefit of minimalism is what it makes space and room for. And that's what they talk about on this particular clip. The biggest benefits I realized that I've gotten out of it is that I have a very creative mind. Like I like writing comedy and doing stand-up and taking piano lessons and learning how to sail. Like I want to experience all these things in my life. And I'm able to, because I'm not 
like bogged down by all of these unnecessary things that I'm able to let go of. And that's what minimalism does. It lets you really refine your life down to what is most important and um, what matters most and what you want to get out of your years while you're here. Mm. I know that listeners right now are going to be like, okay, sign me up because (laughs) so many of the women who listen are writers, they're creatives. And so to realize that the decluttering in these different areas can actually create more space and room for creativity to thrive, Mm -hmm. what more of a motivator do you need, right? What I especially loved about not just this episode, but even their approach overall that they talk about is the fact of how broadly they apply this concept of minimalism. It's not just about organizing and decluttering. It's about all these different areas. And it is kind of endless, the number of ways we can apply less is more to to what we do every day. Agreed. And I have since even just yesterday have been doing purging and, you know, you think you don't have that much stuff and and still there's even more that you can purge. And I had them in my, my ear, you know, the other day as I was just going through our house and going, what have we not used in the last year? If we haven't used it, we don't need it. It's time to donate. It's time to give it to somebody who needs it. Even beloved books. I had my son go through his stack of books because there are some he's outgrown. And it's like, okay, they were they are beloved, and yet you don't use them anymore. So now it's time for someone else to have them. Ah, <laughs> I feel melancholy even thinking about giving away children's <laughs> books, but there's not room for everything. Yes, yes. So next, speaking of different spheres of books or conversation or wellness, you have a strong interest and connection with food, and you had a couple of food writers and cookbook authors. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So I interviewed episode 110, Anupi Singla. Her brand is Indiana's Apple Pie. And then I also interviewed episode 117, Nisha Malvani, who is the author of Practically Vegan. And I loved speaking to these two women, first off, because I love food. I am a foodie. I cannot cook very well, but my husband is a chef, so there you go. (laughs) But um, I love looking at cookbooks. I love tasting food. And I love walking into a home where food is being prepared. There is nothing better to me. I love the smells. I love seeing the colors. I love the love that comes from it. And so it had been a while on the podcast before I actually had cookbook authors come on. And I thought, oh, we need to be talking about food writing too. In particular, what struck me about both of them is not even just the writing part, but about how they both came to these careers as cookbook authors a little bit later in life. So it's not the thing that they came out of college doing. So for Anupi, she was a journalist and then switched careers. When her kids were younger, she was always cooking, but she started getting into the recipe refinement more and more. And not only has published several cookbooks, but then she has her own 
food products at Whole Foods and many other stores. So you can buy her products off the shelves and has created this whole business. So Anupi Singla, episode 110. So the goal was feed the girls Indian food as much as they can eat. Will they gravitate and love Indian food? It was, that was my experiment. That's all I did is if the book came out of it, that's great, but I'm going to teach my girls to love their heritage through food. And that one goal and out of it, out of the project. And then the books came. And then for Nisha, she really talks about the connection between food, the food we eat and how it makes us feel. And while you don't have to be vegan to ascribe to any of her approaches, what she is encouraging is just incorporating more vegetables you know, any way you can. So I really loved her approach, but career-wise, she too kind of meandered into this and she ended up going to cooking school when her kids were younger, as opposed to, again, when she was, say, 18 or 19. Now we'll hear a clip from Nisha Malvani, episode 117. We're really here to just help people to eat more plants. We're not here to say you can't eat what you want to eat. So that's, you know, how the book sort of started. And that's why I called it practically vegan, which has confused so many people. But, you know, is your book vegan or not? So yes, all the recipes are vegan, but it's practical. And all the ingredients get used over and over again, throughout the book. So you're not wasting anything, which is also practical. And you don't need to be vegan. You can just be trying to eat more plant based foods, which is why it's for people who are practically or not practically vegan. Both of these women took career turns to follow their passions at a very busy time when they were raising young kids and really are both so passionate about food and how it brings people together, how it makes us feel, what it can do. I put them in the wellness category because they both talk about that food soul connection um, and how food has impacted their lives as humans. But then it also spurred career shifts for both of them that were kind of unexpected. I would like to follow up on not just those two authors, but as we've been talking and listening through this episode today, some of the things that strike me as common denominators through all of these episodes, two things, I think. One is the ability for someone to follow their inclinations, often around corners that don't necessarily make a lot of sense when you're taking them. And the other thing, which is kind of related to that is is absolute candor in what you're doing. Whatever that thing, that passion is, and in many cases it's an entrepreneurship path, but also just f- to yourself and the way that those things overlap and and how Nadine that really overlaps with you and what you've done and it imbues so many of your episodes and so For anyone who has discovered you recently, there is a very rich catalog to go back. And uh, for anyone who has a little extra time, perhaps, 
I don't know who has extra time over the holidays, but I think some of us do need take. We take, need an excuse. We to get take out little of breaks. Our- yeah, <laughs> take a little break every now and then, and go check out an old episode of Heart of the Story, because you will find some of your heart in the story too. Mm, I appreciate that. I think what draws me to the women that I speak to is that they have all faced challenges and uncertainties, and they have navigated them intentionally by tuning in to themselves and have come out changed and with wisdom. And that's what I love talking to women about. How did this life event change you? What did you learn from it? Can you be honest about the emotions that I brought up and then how you navigated the course? And I feel really fortunate not only to have had these amazing guests on the show, but also to be a guest. And so there were a few wellness podcasts that I was on this year, and I'm really, really proud of those. So we mentioned, and so she left, and you can check that out, not only on the And So She Left podcast, but also we brought it into our feed. So it's episode 126. And I talked about my entrepreneurial journey that kind of resulted from burnout when I was in the academic world for almost 15 years um, as a professor and how I shifted from being a professor to starting my own business. And I loved being able to talk about that professional journey. I also was on the Millennial Minimalist podcast, so you can hear it on their feed. And also we brought it into our own. So it's episode 139. And that's where I had a lot of fun talking about what it was like to sell our house and many of our things in 2021 and go on the road for three months in an airstream with three people, two dogs, and a betta fish living in 27 feet. (laughs) If that's not a story, I don't know what is. I know, I know. And then um, I loved, loved being on the Living Centered podcast. Living Centered is a podcast from OnSite. OnSite is a therapeutic retreat center in Tennessee where people go for week-long retreats to really explore their their emotions, their feelings, and it seems incredible. I want to go there one day to do some deep inner work, but I took an online course with them years ago, and I've been paying attention to them ever since because I love their message of living centered, and so I was so, so excited to be a guest on their show, and I talked about my go to wellness practices that help me feel more more grounded and the journaling and reflecting that I do that that helps me deeply. So those are some wellness related episodes. You can check it out on on their show, but we brought it into our feed episode 124. So that has been a lot of stuff this week. You guys have a lot to chew on for the next week. And then there will be even more with some of your best ofs for your writing conversations. Give us a little tease for that, Nadine, for next week. Yeah. So uh, I have talked to some incredible female writers this whole past year. And these are conversations with people I've wanted to talk to even before I had a podcast, just people I wanted to talk to. And so the fact that they came on the show is like, ah, 
I'm still giddy about it. So I had some amazing conversations that you're going to hear next week in our best of 2023. And while it's focused on women writers, anyone who enjoys hearing story will love these clips and will love hearing these conversations because each woman shares such a a raw, honest part of their stories that presents a universal truth that we as readers and listeners can definitely benefit from. So we're really going to not only focus on writing, but really just human nature. And that's what I I love about those episodes and what we're going to be talking about next week. So you'll definitely want to catch it. This week, it is my pleasure to thank Nadine Kenny Johnstone (laughs) for being a wonderful podcast host who I enjoy working with tremendously for Heart of the Story. And maybe I will wrap up this week by saying, remember everyone, every heart has a story and every story has a heart. We will see you next week.